Welcome to Warnounds, a Privateer Press podcast hosted by Line of Sight. I'm Locke, he's Caster, and today is a Warnounds episode that you've been waiting for, Gift of Magic, Part 2. Hello and welcome to uh, War Machine or <laughs> War Nouns episode seventy-eight. Lore Nouns. Lore Nouns edition episode twenty-one. And for those of you who care, we streamed an episode of Monpoc last night. Yay! It was it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was myself versus Logan. Uh, he won, but it was it was a close match. And Gaster has the video and is supposed to be putting it up on uh, YouTube in case people want to go rewatch it or something. Yep. We, we started, like, partway in. We might stream another one tonight. Who knows? Yeah, we may. LVO is going on at the moment. And, uh, yeah. So, um, it's been a long time since we got a Lornounce episode out. And, uh, like, last November was the last one we had, so... Long overdue to get another Lornounds episode out, so let us finish the Gift of Magic. And I will be painting in the background. I got I like one thing I got to finish on these models, and then I'm done with them. So like, I'm I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. So color commentary from Locke while she paints. Yeah. And uh, I read my painting desk. Um, where I sit at my painting desk is like, I don't know how to describe this. Too. So there's there's Casters, kitty corner. Yeah, it's not kitty corner because that would be like right together wow. there's like caster's desk a gap and then my painting desk and so like my head will be turned my my back of the head will be to the mic yes but that's okay yeah yeah so um where we left off was a letter on or an excerpt where we let, left off was a guy getting shafted <laughs> by um thamar's boyfriend actually doing most of the work and then her getting all the credit Yes. Um, as a uh, quick recap, uh, Ekris, uh the first scion of Thamar, as he is denoted as, uh, talked about how Doing he the majority of the work! On uh, translating Telgish into a comprehensible uh, language for uh, basically she, all she of the Iron Kingdoms. She might have made the deal, but he's the one who did all the effing work. Yeah. He did all the work. He actually ascended on his own, and then everybody just called him a th- uh, um, a, 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 an ascendant or whatever. A, a scion. A scion of Thamar. Guy got shafted. Thamar's power is good PR and a famous sibling. Nepotism. That 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 is Thamar's power. I mean, that would make sense, I suppose. Her, her, her great power... Thamar is it the gift of magic? It's the gift of nepotism. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Uh, we, we were kind of re-listening to that episode before we did this one, and there's a hummingbird on that tree outside the window. Sorry. Yes. Hi. Um, <laughs> what was I going on about? The thumbing, the hummingbird, the hummingbird distracted me. Thamar, scions, and apparently hummingbirds. So, um, yeah, we, we left off with Ekris talking about all the things that he accomplished. Um, no, he was not talking about it. The chick with the cleavage was talking oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, she, she was reading his excerpt. So we're reading about all these things um, through the eyes and lens of Sabeth Rowan, who is the author of these works and the one who's really 
coming forward with um, explaining to the masses all of the... Um, yes, there's a car alarm in the background. Can't do anything about that. Um, explaining all of the differences uh, of basically the Thamorites and the Morrowinds. And the Morrowinds like, you're bad. And she's like, yes, but look at all these things that you did that you're ignoring. And oh, by the way, you have the gift of the magic because of Thamar. And we're not Hardly. bad. We're just... You know, th there are some bad eggs in the bunch. You have them too. So, yeah. Uh, so, it's, anyways. I think it's more along the lines of, yes, we're bad, but at least we're not menites. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that's that's that too. <laughs> yeah. So, continuing on here, we have a uh, partial rebuttal to uh, Sagarin's last points. The next text is uh, part of a correspondence that Rowan exchanged with an esteemed colleague. He will have to remain anonymous. My phone keeps going off. Move that away. Because Discord's going crazy. Um, he'll have to remain anonymous for his own safety. His life would be made uncomfortable were his peers to discover his Thamorite inclinations. Sounds dirty. So, here we go, and the font is all over the place, so I will do my best. Uh, if the Mar and the Eldest Scions were constructing a system of magic to bestow on mankind, they took their time delivering it. <laughs> I vehemently disagree with the simplistic analysis of men like Sargon Bainwhite, 17th century... Uh, Sargon Bainwhite. 17th centuries passed between the Dark Ascension and the gift of Thamar. Even for gods, that is a long time. <laughs> I think he's complaining a little bit. Um, during this intervening period, magic as we know it remained unknown. Whatever occult advances Thamar made, she kept to herself until long after the Orgath had conquered Western Imran. Surely she could not have held such a power or she would have provided it to us earlier. <laughs> that she had personal power is indisputed as her apotheosis is a matter of historical record. But I do think she yet had the means to help humanity, not without external help. A common question arises when examining the Orgoth occupation. Why did the gods stay silent for so long? What, what occupied Menoth and Mara while people were enslaved and subjugated to barbarism? I cannot answer. Despite the kind words of priests, it may have been that our hap happiness is irrelevant to the gods so long as we continue to breed and feed our essence to the war of souls. That's definitely Menoth's. Yes. Uh... Let's see here. Is a happy soul more valuable than a miserable one? I don't know. We'd have to ask them if it eats souls. Right. In this case, I expect the opposite is actually true. Miserable souls perhaps are more valuable to the gods. That's my personal take on this. Continuing on, it states, Morrow, the prophet, was likely the first to predict that the Orgoth would not vanish without divine intervention. 
Mara was known for his foresight, and no doubt he peered into the future and observed the extinction of all the faiths of Imran should events not con or should events continue as they were. Upon war had or open war had erupted between the Orgoth and the Church of Morrow, a war the priests were doomed to lose. They had little power, and the citizenry was disarmed and accustomed to meek obedience. The Marwan, Thamrite, and even Menite religions were likely doomed to become merely footnotes in Orgoth history. <laughs> likely Morrow pondered long and hard on this puzzle, perhaps whiling away a century or two as the situation on Emeryn worsened. Morrow knew humanity required some more versatile tool, a weapon of the mind. If he needed to plant a seed that could grow of its own accord into a versatile arsenal, the people of Imran needed a new way of waging war. If you will indulge a slight thought of fancy, let us imagine Morrow brooding miserably in Vakarna during the height of the Orgoth occupation. To his far-reaching eye, all the threads of future possibility uh, perished the inevitable destruction of his religion, crushed under the heavy heel of Orgoth boots. So he turned, at last, unhappily, to his sister. <laughs> he knew she was clever. <laughs> Even from childhood, she had ever been capable of the unexpected. Quote, Sister, he pleaded, please tell me, what weapon can we deliver to our afflicted followers so they may evade annihilation? Your religion is much at risk as mine. After some thought, Thamar would answer, I have no idea. Or, sorry, let me rephrase that. I have an idea, but you will not like it. <laughs> See, this is just... <laughs> That's what it says right there. Oh, come on, hold on. I'm going to read this. Okay. okay. But you will not like it. I picture Morrow waving dismissively, not wanting to um, poison his tranquility with whatever devious thought... Uh, slight or what's the word? Slithered. Oh, slithered? Slithered in his sister's minds. No details. Consider your, um, consider your plan in all its, uh, practicalities? No. Uh, particulars. Oh, particulars. I will look to the future and see if, um, and see if putting it into action will bring the change we so desperately require. Once more, Morrow peered ahead along those same strands of fate, yet adding the Mars plan into his... Uh, perceptive. Pre precognitive. I was going to say, that is not that word. Sorry. Pre, um, precognitive equation, or is that an equation? Yes. Equation. He saw that what he had not dared hope there was a chance. <laughs> Sorry, just just one. Sorry, Doctor Strange. Just one chance. Just Doctor Strange holding up one finger. There was a chance. 
um, for the survival of the people of Western Emerin with the Orgoth driven out and destroyed, it would not happen quickly or easily. But it was victory. Yes, he commanded to his sister. Put your plan in motion um, without delay. Yeah, that's pretty much OC. Yep. Okay, fine, you can finish. Oh, okay. You, you're trying to take it away from me anyway. I, I didn't mean to. It's too late now. <sighs> right here. We're, we're... Uh, considering the importance of contacts and agreements, particularly among the gods, Thamar would have made sure to formalize this endorsement. Quote, <laughs> Do I have your unconditional support on this matter? May I serve as a proxy in your role as guardian of humanity for Imarin, as granted to you by Menoth? <laughs> Will you commit to my plan with the full scope of your authority? Oh my god, it's just like End I've quote. always imagined. <laughs> Keep going. Morrow may have hesitated. May have. Knowing this was his last chance to maintain his principles. But in the end, he acquiesced. Quote, yes, do as you must. With those words, he sealed an agreement and entered into a bargain he might later come to regret. <gasps> Some members of our faith believe Thamar tricked Morrow, deceiving him utterly. I do not credit it. I prefer to think Morrow knew he had no choice. I believe the twins are equally um, capable for whatever taint they may have passed to us. No, that's not the word. Are equally... Culpable? Yes, culpable for whatever taint they uh, passed to us. Morrow is no god of absolute good. He is a god of compromise and facilitation. He preaches one must walk the path that brings the least harm. Least harm. Thamar opened the gates to that path, and in willing or walking it, Morrow stained his divine soul. <laughs> Sadly, we do not know the details of Thamar's plan, or rather, we know only the mortal half of the equation. What few surviving texts we have uncovered of the Circle of Oath suggests that freedom from the Orgoth came at a price to future generations. <laughs> Little remains to clarify the nature of that debt. Some might ask, quote, why involve Morrow in the first place? I seal, er, in sealing their compact, the twins aligned into a conspiracy to defy their creator. <laughs> that they did so to preserve faith itself is of no consequence to Menoth or his blindly zealous followers. The reward of our unique gift is, in this case, to endorse being hunted. Or endure being hunted. Sorry. When caught, we are roped into a state and lit a fire, not for our own termity of choices but for the sins of our ancestors and the defiance of the of the two once mortal gods. So, um... That is the end of the transcript. To, to put this down into a, a, a 
packed little summarization without all the flowery language. Basically what happened, what this person is suggesting, and, and what I choose to believe because it's just freaking hilarious, <laughs> is um, um, Mena, or, or Maro's standing up there watching humanity, and he's like, and um, he's like, we are screwed. And he goes, Mar he goes over to Thamar, and he's like, Thamar, we're screwed. I'm, f I'm stopped. I can't do anything, Thamar. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And she's like, mm, maybe. And he's like, come on, I need your help. And she's like, you don't understand that you're asking for my help. And he's like, yes. And she goes, you don't understand my help comes with conditions. And he's like, yes. And he goes, do you think your plan works? She's like, yeah. And he's like, let me check. Yeah, your plan will work. Let's do it. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yes. Are you sure, sure, sure? Yes. Do you want to know what I'm going to do? No, I do not want to know anything about what you're going to do. Do not tell me. Do not suggest it at me. Do not hint it at me. Just do it. And she's like, I have your permission. Yes, you have Do you want writing? She's like, yes, I do. <laughs> Sign here, please. <laughs> Unconditional support, regardless of consequences. One time offer. He's like, damn it. Freaking fine. Oh. oh gosh yeah so it's just, that's it's just it's, just, it's so good it's so good I just, I, just, I just he's just sitting there going oh i don't know what to do and she's like i got an idea and he's like just just don't tell me just do it and she's like are you sure he's like yes what i love is that we have gone back and forth on this for a couple years now literally mm -hmm. this book that this this no quarter has been in our hands for a long time and i haven't read over every single no quarter it's just a lot of information mm -hmm. This has been here in our hands, vindicating everything. Like not vindicating, but like I mean, I gonna, echoing everything you were saying. Oh yeah, well, because I, I heard. I don't know where somebody told me that before, and I, and and I had remembered it. Or no, I I remember I read part of it somewhere in a book. I, I don't yeah. I don't think it was this, but it might yeah, have been. I don't think so. But I read part of it somewhere in in a War Machine it, book, yeah. and then I I got it in my head that that you know Thamar was like, hey, um, you know, Marl's like, hey, man, he's fucked. I can't do anything about it. And Thamar's like, I got an idea, and he and he's like, fine, just do it. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And um, then that's totally how it went down. At least that's according yeah. to this. I just. Is it good? This 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 little letter thing. And also one thing that I, I like about this whole Iron Kingdoms and and I like about um. The no quarters, especially, and these little blurbs that they put mm -hmm. in there and stuff, is this person, whoever's talking here, we don't know who he is. I, I love the fact that there can be these notes and stuff. Yeah. The Iron Kingdoms is a world, and there are tons of people alive in this world. And yeah. not everything that we get is from a main character. No. You know, you know not, not, not every letter we get or anything like that is from a, you know, is from a model on the table, and I enjoy that. That's fun. Like, Sabeth Rowan here, there is a picture of what she looks like, but she's not a model in War Machine. And outside of this, I don't think she comes up again. I mean, she might, but I have not come across anything her by her since or again. Yeah, with, with her little... I mean, she she's wearing a very tight-fitting form outfit with just enough to tantalize the masses right in, the, right in her bosom there. Yeah. But um, aside from that, I don't think she shows up again, but we will find out over time. Okay. Oh, oh, you know what that symbol is? Yep. Okay, that's so the symbol we, of the Mar. We we have changed it. You know, it looks like a little bit like an occult symbol or an infernal symbol. Nope, nope. That's the symbol of the Mar. I was wrong. All right. So um, next, we are going to talk about the Circle of Oath. Now, in previous Lore Announce episodes, we have covered the Circle of Oath. What makes this different is it is titled the True founding of the Circle 
of the oath. So there's the propaganda version, which we already know of. This here puts everything in the perspective of what actually happened. Yeah, but it's true founding from whose point of view? Sarah and uh, Sabeth Rowan. Oh. Oh, yeah. The author of all this. So, um, there is an excerpt here, which I will read first. The first eminent beneficiaries of the gift were the initial generations of sorcerers, born by the hundreds after 137 BR. Like tadpoles killed by hungry fish, most of them were extinguished before they could accomplish much. Soon thereafter, across uh, arose excuse me, the Circle of the Oath, this group is now extinct, but its work and organization left a lasting legacy on the orders oh, that these, would follow it. These are the blood guys. Yes. Okay. So began the long and painful process of rebellion that would eventually end the Orgoth tyranny. A sorceress named Hel Helena Vashir published the following pamphlet in Cyril in 604 AR. I should acknowledge that my re... Res resurrecting, sorry, of the text my, may provoke retaliations. I am ready for that. <laughs> Sadly, the author proved less prepared. Months after the pamphlet's publication, her body was discovered in the water by the city peers. The True Founding of the Circle of the Oath The deeply ingrained and uh, antipathy between wizards and sorcerers is understandable given the example of several brutal inquisitions in recent memory. It could be argued it was a matter of survival for wizards to distance themselves from those who are being hunted and killed on fabricated charges of witchcraft. I can understand this, but I feel no sympathy for the countless wizards who joined groups like Venter Railthorn's Inquisition and participated in the murders of countless men and women sh who should rightfully have been their peers. Examination of the history of Inquisitions is not my purpose, as fascinating as that may be, but I think it is imperative to understand the connection between all humans who participate in the arcane arts. It matters not what, whether that talent was bestowed at birth or arose from tedious study. One of the primary justifications made by the established wizard's orders is to distance themselves from sorcery as historical roots. The first recorded mention of sorceress uh, pre presage presaging? presaging. Uh, the rise of a new generation of individuals was noted in Tarna in 137 BR. After this date, there was an explosion of children born with sorcerous potential all across Western Emirin. This has prompted us today to the Gift of Thamar to just before this time period, with 150 BR as the arbitrary point of inception. Sadly, we have few records about the young and likely terrified children born as sorcerers during this time. They likely had no ilkling of the source of their power or how to put it to use. Many were killed by their own parents, drowned in tubs, lashed to death, thrown into wells, and other cruelties, no doubt. Others were snatched by the Orgoth and either killed or enslaved. 
The Fraternal Order makes a point of the fact that the first advances of their art date from Sebastian Kerwin's efforts beginning in 96 BR, 41 years and two generations later. Clearly, they argue their own art has only tangible connection to this, quote, gift of sorcery, imparted as a, quote, a plague by Thamara on humanity, end quote. They insist their more analytical process was invention of Sebastian Kerwin, perhaps after having witnessed the raw, tainted, and untamed energies of sorcerers firsthand. This is utter rubbish. Part of a systematic campaign of lies and deception, the birth of sorcerers was likely a side effect of the true divine intervention of Thamar. Even the sorcerers were appearing or even when sorcerers were appearing all over Emmeran, they were relatively few among the total number of births. Sorcerous abilities were an aberration, like albanism or keen hearing. This was simply the outward sign of an invisible change that happened to every human born after 150 BR. The Fraternal Order of Wizardry has taken pains to acquire or destroy every copy of an obscure paper by Sebastian Kerwin uh, titled Arcane Progenesis. This was written in 97 BR and predates his more widely circulated dissertations on thermatology, thermatology, yes, formulation, published one year later. In this rare document, Kerwin theorized that some agency possibly divine, had unlocked a fundamental change in humanity which gave rise to sorcery and, quote, which allowed humankind to access hitherto untapped potential, end quote. He went on to say, quote again, by this power mankind can now manifest will as tangible energy, invoking force, prompting transmutation and allowing other as-yet-undiscovered manipulations of reality. He believes strongly in the systematic analysis, categorization, teaching, and improvement of these processes, but none of his work suggested he studied sorcerers to, be, or to arrive at these ideas. Arcane Progenesis has the following integral introduction, penned perhaps as a letter to its original intended recipient. I have made recently the I have recently made the acquaintance of several helpful colleagues whose names I must withhold for their own safety. I was reluctant to indulge them as I had heard rumors of their disreputable religious beliefs. After putting my precon preconceptions behind me, I have found them to be not unreasonable, but also profoundly insightful. I believe their aims are the same as ours. They seek to destroy the Orgoth. Together, we can lay the groundwork so future generations can bring this to fruition. It will require trouble and toil, but we academics should not forget our responsibilities. Our minds are an asset we can employ against our oppressors. 
We cannot turn away any friends who share this goal, nor embrace ignorance from a fear of what we may find in the darkness. Remarkable runes, which have no power of, uh, if written by an undisciplined mind, but which spring ablaze in life in conjunction with certain specific mental connections and contortions. End quote. His phrasing in these texts gives us the impression he was surprised to discover these runes, as if they were provided to him by an external source rather than being of his own inventions. These lines have been dismissed as immaterial, but his other evidence from the period strongly suggests that Thamorite Seps were involved in the founding of the Circle of the Oath and Cyril in 67 AR. Accounts maintained by the Shroud confirms this, although such sources were ignored by the Morrowind establishment at whole. Sebastian Kerwin was their most brilliant and leading voice, but he did not derive these ideas in a vacuum. Thamorites insist that the fundamental precepts of Kerwin's theories were derived from uh, direction provided by Sion, or provided by Thamorites gifted by divine visions passed to them by Sion Echorus. Yes, because he did all the work. <laughs> this is clearly described in the now banned text, the Echorus Prophecies. Kerwin has been elevated among, almost to the level of an ascendant in the folklore of modern wizard orders. They have all buried, or they have buried all evidence that he openly conspired with the Thamorite priests, learned the rites of both necromancy and infernalism, and advocated any and all measures necessary to lay the foundations for the rebellion to come. Both the fraternal order of uh, both the Fraternal Order and the Order of Illumination decry these claims as slander, with, or which I take as confirmation of truths these groups fear to expose. It's almost like the harder you deny it, the more you begin to suspect it's actually true. One thinks, uh, um, one thinks she does protest. Me thinks she does protest too much. Yes. Unfortunately, proving these statements is difficult. Most journals penned by Kerwin's own hand are now under lock and key deep within the archives of the Fraternal Order stronghold. Those who would give rise to Kador's Grey Lord Covenants uh, stole similar works and have kept them hidden and protected. Why take such measures if the books did not pertain a portrait of Sebastian Kerwin that these wizard orders do not wish to be made public. Even more telling is a comparison of the accolades heaped upon uh, yeah, heaped upon Sebastian Kerwin to the other disregard shown for the work of other equally prominent individuals. Take as the foretold example of Navara, now Scion Navara. She is a woman whose existence the wizard's orders never acknowledged despite the crucial role she played in the development of wizardry. Navara ascended in 25 AR after spending her entire lifetime 
training dozens of prominent wizards and encouraging them to use their powers against Yorgoth. Documents found by Professor Melor Crane are, are at a recent archaeological dig near Orvin suggest that Navarra's foremost disciples played a key role in the rebellion. These men and women went on to become the foremost leaders at the Battle of the Hundred Wizards and 32 AR, which temporarily freed Tordor from its occupation. Arcane texts from this period show clearly that Navarra invent, or in, yeah, invented many of the common evocation rituals still used by battle wizards today. She took the idea of wizards as weapons against Yorgoth literally, and did much more to demonstrate the offensive power they could wield in war. Navarra's ascension with the Mar is one reason scholars have ignored her historical role, but I think in doing so they are denying an essential element, or element in the evolution of their own art. <laughs> and that is the end of this transcription. It ends on a final note. The lack of conclusive knowledge regarding the Circle of the Oath is a frustrating hole in the occult lore. We do not even know precisely what oath they swore to uphold. It is in their name. Although it is generally believed to have pertained to fighting against the Orgoth with all the power of their disposal, still some suggest, without much evidence, some sort of infernal pact or conspiracy <laughs> must have taken place. I mean, that, that is the end of it there. Now, continuing from my standpoint, I mean, it is in the name. The Circle of the Oath. What oath? There is obviously no writing anywhere of what this oath was. And if it's a Circle of the Oath, that means a Council of the Oath be so, with you. I thought they pulled the Infernals out of their goddamn ass, but no, they haven't planned on this for, like, ever. Yeah, no, the Infernals have been there since the original inception of no, the Iron I, I, Kingdom. No, I know, I know. The, 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 the Infernals have always been a boogeyman in the closet, but I didn't realize that they were going to, um, you know, come back, or come, you know, knocking. I mean, lore-wise, Privateer Press have been playing the long game. Yeah! I'm impressed. I am impressed. I, I am impressed. Today, I am impressed. I am impressed. I am impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, I was just going to say that like three more times. It's skipping like a record. Eh, but I'm impressed. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. All right. So we have one last page to go over here. Uh, it is an excerpt, a note, and an excerpt. So I will do it in that order. All right. So. Uh, excerpt first. All right. So beginning with the first excerpt. There are two. All right. None of this answers the central question of what Thamar did to arrange for humans across all, or to access all the arcane. What arrangements did she make and with whom? What debt is owed? I offer this next document with a caution that it may be nonsense. I. Indiv what? It may be nonsense. Individuals claiming to see visions of Urkan are nothing new, and few are credible at all. This text is one such account, made by a former member of the Order of the Golden Crucible, who fled to Ord in 523 AR after allegedly poisoning his family. 
He is believed to have exposed himself to a variety of damaging alchemical mixtures that may have worsened his mental stability, and then died by swallowing his own tongue months after writing this letter. Some Thamorite scholars believe it describes a vision bestowed by Sion Lucas, patron of the deranged. Here is the note. I mean, no wonder your religion is going to be considered evil if you have a patron of the deranged. I mean, if you had a patron of fluffy kittens, then people might not think you're so mean. <laughs> Sion Puff, the patron of fluffy kittens. Sorry, just... Or Pip. There we go. There's an actual name people could be like, okay, Pip. His name is Pip. Or something. I don't know. Just... <laughs> Sorry. Tangent over. Okay. Resume. Resuming. <clears throat> In a dream, I saw it. The shifting shadows parted, and I walked the ashen plain of Urkayan. I witnessed a throng of the Chosen bowing before their mistress. Ah, the surpassing splendor of the dark goddess. She was beautiful beyond words. Darkness swirled around her like gosmer veils. Gosmer veils. Lightning rent the, un or the maddened red sky which boiled and seethed. I was like a bird or an insect a witness to far greater beings ignored for my own insignificance. I followed as Thamar left the others, accompanied only by two of her most uh, prescient servants. At her right, a man in flowing robes, gilting gold in whose hand dripped blood that never dried arms drenched to the elbows in gore. <laughs> to the left, a lean woman, whose body was tightly wrapped in long straps of leather, whose smile contained a thirst for violence. Jagged blades and instruments of pain adorned her body like jewelry. These three ascended a towering staircase... <laughs> I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> Alright, taking a pause. And I'm sorry, but I mean, if you don't want to be seen as an evil religion, maybe change your aesthetic a little bit. Sorry. Put some robes on those robes. Don't go out in your fetish gear. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> no. What are you imagining? Nothing. I'm not saying anything. It's just so silly. Oh, no, I mean, like, like no. It's good lore. It's good lore. But I just, I love how there's this, that chick right there. Sabaeth Rowan. Sabeth. Is just standing there going, the Mars not that bad. And then this guy goes, I went to her dimension and there was a chicken bondage gear. And the sky was on fire and the seas were boiling blood. I just... <laughs> you're kind of unmaking her point. <laughs> well, that's why she prefaces it a lot by that this is probably, like, 
derangement, derangement, derangement. It's probably they not true. They have a god of derangement. They do. They do. Siam oh. Lucas. Or, sorry. A, a, a patron. A Siam. Yes. Okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. I love the lore. I love the description. It's very good. Just. Yeah. All right. So, backing up just a little bit. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. See, these three ascended a towering staircase suspended inexplicably above a gnawing chasm. Below, there was nothing but roiling smoke and the light of imposing or impossible stars. I was drawn after them like a wisp of vapor. The stairs terminated to emptiness but we appeared suddenly within a strange stone chamber filled with a cold blue radiance with no doors or windows and where the walls did not stand perpendicular to the floor three unexplainable and inhumane entities waited there their <gasps> slender and smooth skinned bodies repulsed me and their black empty eyes compounded my terror i knew i should not be witness to this but i could not avert my gaze one of these long fingered creatures extended a tube set with sigils towards the bloody-handed man whose stained touch did not mar its polished surface from this he pulled forth a vellum scroll uh, with thick well, hold on a vellum scroll right thick with serpentine lettering his letters i have never seen before since i watched the goddess cut her palm and sign this document in divine blood I felt more than heard some thrumming vibration like the kneeling or knelling of a gong. I awoke gasping for breath and back in my squal uh, squalid room. For three days, blood seeped from my eyes and I breathed my f or I and beneath my fingernails as I punished. Sorry, the script is really difficult to read. For three days, blood seeped from my eyes and beneath my fingernails as punishment for what I had seen. There we go. Okay. That's the end of the first one. Now, the next one. The, the ending uh, excerpt. Oh. So you said there was two? Yeah, that one and then this one. Okay, so you're going to read this one first and then that one? I already read that one. Oh, never mind. I do not put much credit of this account, Rowan writes. But certainly it is descriptive. There are many indirect references and hints that Infernals belonged to a uh, faction and called the Nonocrian Order were the ultimate source of Thamar's gift. Certainly, um, certainly all Infernalists with whom I have corresponded confirm these entities are... Um, superlative in the arcane arts manifesting abilities mortal wizards have never duplicated many theories have been 
postulated as to what Thamar might have offered them in exchange, but nothing is known for certain. One likely theory is that the Orgoth were also backed by Infernals, perhaps representing some warring faction opposed to the Nogonokrian order. Some believe Thamar offered a great harvest of future human souls, a reaping that will require slaughter on an unparalleled scale. Others say these were offered a portion of Thamar's domain in Urkan, from which they could join the War of Souls directly, perhaps intervening. Analysts of passages from oath documents indicate that the debt of Thamar's alleged negotiations was deferred by at least seven centuries, although the exact number is of dispute. Did this countdown begin when Thamar negotiated the gift? If so, that time came and went 50 years ago without notice or accord. If this deadline dates from the founding of the Circle of the Oath, we can expect horrible consequences as early as 633 AR. We know too little to say with any certainty. <laughs> Perhaps I believe we have yet to pay this debt, and those who will collect it upon us will be coming all too soon. Now, I believe, Locke, what you're thinking is correct. 633 AR was probably the date the Infernals were going to arrive. However, in 608 to 609 AR, the current timeline before Mark IV, things kind of, well, got out of hand, and the Infernals had to because act well. Because the Dark well. Harvest did show up. It just wasn't yes. the Infernals. No. Uh, it was the Grimkin messing with the Infernal plans as uh, the old witch of Kador uh, decided to um, unravel those plans. She tried. She tried and very nearly succeeded. The Infernals had to act well ahead of what they intended. Uh, and if it was 633 was the date, they were, I mean, 20, well, close to 20 years earlier than they would have wanted. So, yeah, that's, that's it. Here's an interesting question. Yes. Humanity, or, well, the Mar, has reneged on the deal. Does that mean that the gift of magic is going to start waning? That's a good question. We don't know the details of the pact that was signed between Thamar and what we now know in the current lore to be the Nenokrian Order. Um, we do know that the gift of magic was bestowed upon humans, and with the defeat of the Orgoth and the Requiem, uh, continued timeline um it seems that the gift of magic has retained but but that's we don't know if it's it waned does that mean that children are going to keep being born with it or does it or is it like sort of like the iosins where if you were like with, with with the iosins with the loss of their gods fewer and fewer children were born with souls does that mean the same thing along the lines of um well, the Nanokrian order was not destroyed. I know, but it I was know. banished back. I know, it, it's and hard to we, say. we reneged on our deal. They did not get what they were owed. Are they going to come back and try to collect it? Or are children, human children, going to start not being born with the gift of magic? That's a good question. 
or will the magic simply become weaker and weaker over the following generations? That is a good question. And it's one I hope they explore. Yeah, it would be nice. There's so much potential there. Well, with that, that pretty much concludes the reading and uh, finalization of the Gift of Magic and um, all that is there. I was also going to go over the Orgoth artifacts and some of that information. However, I admit I um, misplaced that information. I, I chose to write it down physically on paper instead of on my computer. And in the last two months, I have lost the paper. So um, I decided it was more important to get this out than to put it off any longer as it's already been two months. So we, we so. might put in an Orgoth artifact supplemental? Yeah, and a future date. There is a lot out there, and some of it has a fair bit of information on it. Uh, my apologies. A select few items have a lot of information on them. The vast majority are like, here, it exists. It looks like this. Uh, or here is a description, but no one knows what it does. Um, so there's not a lot to go on no for those. No one's stupid enough to poke it. Yeah, basically. Um, or it's referenced at some point, somewhere, and never again. Mm. So I will do the best I can at a later date to uh, compile that in here. Uh, but until then, I mean, this went a fairly long time, so... Oh, yeah. Um, Any closing thoughts? No, I, what, what is the plan next on our docket? So the next uh, Lore Nouns episode, I'm going to begin with the signing of the Corvus Treaty, which we covered a little bit. I'm going to rehash that. Uh, and then we are going to explore the first couple hundred years of the Iron Kingdoms okay, and have... the drama that ensues. I have a question. Yes. For you. Yes. Well, we have recently gotten into, pretty heavily, into Monster Apocalypse. Yes. Do we plan to do anything with the lore well they're, they're uh, we, we can read and compile what is already known yeah. that is out there um with any luck we'll maybe even have some uh thoughts directly from uh privateer press but that is yet neither here nor there um but we will um we could compile everything in one place my battle officer is transgender <laughs> it is was a he is now a she yeah that's what you get to know here Okay, for those listening, here's some Monster Apocalypse lore for you. Karkonos, the battle lobster, for the Necroscourge faction, was killed. And then the nanite, the evil necromantic nanite swarm came over and was putting them together. And like, they were doing their work. And then they were like, it's supposed to be a dude, right? And some of the other nanites were like, yeah. He goes, I can't find his... His, his, his member. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't find... We're missing a piece. Can I just turn it into a chick? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Takes less than nanites. <laughs> that is literally the lore behind the battle lobster. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me so happy. It's a lobster. Is it a boy or a girl? I don't know. <laughs> it's not just a battle lobster. It's a transgender battle lobster. <laughs> and now it's pissed. <laughs> it's amazing. So, yeah. I love the Battle Lobster. <laughs> Sorry. So, anyways, there you go. Oh, um, that... should, we, should we not put that in there? Should we do No, that? no, it's in there now. Sorry for there you getting your gift of lobster. Your gift of lobster. Your gift of magic with Battle Lobsters. Yes. 
All right. Well, thank you all for joining us here today. Bye. Yeah.